Just a quick message before this podcast starts. We're not scholars. We have not been to Bible school. We cannot take credit for the following opinions, ideas, views, or historical facts. They are a combination of our own thoughts and the thoughts of others that are way smarter and worked way harder. We reference lexicons, commentaries, articles, sermons, and other educational videos and content to bring to you what we are going to share with you today. We'll include all references in the description of this podcast, and if we reference someone, and if we reference someone else's opinion, we will try to state their name and the year they spoke it, because the opinion that we may have come across may not be up to date. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of The Disciples Quest. My name is Justin. I'm Will. And I'm Emily. And we are very excited today to get into Hebrews chapter 11. This will be part one. Can't wait to get into this. But before we get started with Hebrews 11, Emily, how was your week? This week was pretty busy. At work, we were working to prep a fundraiser. It actually happened today. It was where we serve waffles and pancakes and sausage and fruit and all these different whipped toppings. It was to support the Young Parents program that I work for, and we had a pretty great turnout. Will was there as well. He helped uh, with setup and cleanup too. Um, yeah, so most of my week was at work was posted. Yeah, <laughs> most of my work this week was focused on that fundraiser, and it was great to see it happen. And now that's over, it's like ah, relief. <laughs> um, and then, like two hours after that. Um, I went to a bridal shower for one of my friends from church, and that was really fun. So it was just a bunch of women <laughs> having lots of great food and uh, giving presents to the bride-to-be. So yeah, it was a great Saturday today. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Sounds like a great day. And what a great fundraiser to do as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. Cool. How about you, William? Um, I didn't really do much this week. That's interesting to talk about. Like It was just... Same old, same old work. I helped her, Emily um, with the uh, that event, that breakfast event. And then afterwards, while she went to a bridal shower, I just hung out at Sam's place, which if you guys don't know what that is, that is a coffee shop. It's a Christian coffee shop, actually. I didn't know it was a Christian coffee shop. It's probably the mm -hmm. only one in the city. Yeah, I've been there many times. It's run I didn't by know MCC. That. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of like Christian books and stuff that you can look at it's a weird combination though of like modern coffee shop and christian like you don't think uh christian we think modern coffee shop right mm -hmm. because they've got you know the really fancy like cacao chocolate bars and the Whoa. and the the yeah you know like they're really like a hippie i don't know what you hippie <laughs> whatever a little bit it does like we vibe. got oat yeah. milk we got this i don't know i wasn't there yeah so that kind of have. vibe i haven't been there in years you'd expect them to have like a pride flag behind the counter or something but yeah. they don't like I hope Starbucks. Not. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be like Starbucks. It's not like, you know. Yeah. Not woke. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's, it was, it was a pretty good like place to hang out and make my notes in for this episode. So, but that's Great. pretty much it. Like I didn't really like, oh, I guess we yeah. went to well, a friend's house. Yeah, we did that too. Um, a friend that's also at friends of Justin. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're also a couple and they have three boys. So it was fun to be there. Mm -hmm. um, for supper and hanging out. And something else that was interesting is actually that Will and I are doing Lent for the first time, um, which is a 40-day fast, and we're doing it from videos. So anything that's like movies, TV, YouTube, whatever, we're not watching any uh, video content yeah. for 40 days. Just reading mostly instead. Mm -hmm. And so. talking to each other at nighttime more than watching a show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Justin, what did you do this week? Yeah, so my week was pretty good. Uh, nothing too much to report, although I will say I've been really looking more into purchasing a vehicle. Oh. So I've been looking at many different things with a great app called Auto Trader. Uh, it kind of pulls up uh, best results for what you're searching for. And man, are cars expensive right now. Like, oof. Uh, don't wish to be me or anyone else buying a car right now because good luck if, if a vehicle's five years old good luck finding anything under thirty thousand dollars uh it's very difficult to wow. so i found a couple good deals i'm hoping to find another few more I've, I've been told that steinbeck is a pretty good place to find some cars so i'm gonna take a look around there so i'm really excited to finally get a vehicle i'm definitely tired of taking the city bus to work every day 
So that's exciting. Exciting time to get another vehicle soon. Uh, other than that, I mean, I had a pretty bad stomach flu yesterday. Oh, no. The day before, I was bedridden, uh, didn't get any sleep, and was constantly throwing up. So that was not fun at all. <laughs> I almost canceled the podcast and had to call in uh, sick to church, tell them I couldn't do worship. But luckily, I woke up and felt great. So praise God for that, healing me. Um, other than that, that's pretty much it. Oh, one other thing I forgot to mention about what I'm doing is I found out this week, my manager came to me and said, guess what, Justin? I'm sending you to Calgary again. Woo! That's fun. Yeah. When so are you going? I'll be going at the end of March. I'll be going for three days and it's going to be uh, dedicated to knowledge on bikes, mountain bikes, road bikes and everything. Fun. So the first day I'm there, they're going to teach me more about the brands that we carry in our stores. And uh, I'm a bike technician as well, so I I love it. I love learning more. And then the second day is all dedicated to management, how I can be a better leader for the team, how I can work with people, how I can be a leader at the store. So can't wait for that. I was there a few months ago, and the fact that they're sending me again, I feel extremely blessed. So, (laughs) yeah, I can't wait for that. Awesome. Yeah. Do you get some downtime when you're over there? Only a few hours, so uh, yeah. not much downtime. I'll probably just find a restaurant and eat some food. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. So uh, I'm ready to get into the podcast today. Awesome. So let's go. Today we are reading from Hebrews chapter 11, part 1. Uh, we'll be reading from verse 1 until verse 22. Yes. 22. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the men of old gained approval. By faith we understand that the words worlds we prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts. And through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah was warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead as that, as many descendants, as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Mm -hmm. All these died in faith, without receiving the promises. But having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, they have been thinking of that country from which they went out. They would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. All right. Yeah. A lot there, but Mm -hmm. can't wait to get into it. It's a great overview of all these people that live by faith in Genesis. Mm -hmm. So starting at verse one, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm -hmm. I think that verse gives a great definition of what faith is. (laughs) Because it says straight up, this is what faith is. And I think it's, you know, better than what you probably find in a dictionary. (laughs) <laughs> Emily, you've got to be kidding me. That is my exact note. My note is, this is a beautiful definition of faith, much better than any dictionary. Nice! <laughs> and not only that, I, I made a link to the Merriam-Webster oh. def, def, dictionary definition of faith 
Their definition is, one, allegiance to duty or a person, loyalty. Mm-hmm. Two, belief and trust in loyalty. In belief and trust in and loyalty to God, and something that is believed especially with strong conviction, even without evidence. And we look at that and we compare it to this definition. Faith is assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Mm-hmm. I much prefer this definition. Yeah. Even though, yeah, maybe the definition in Merriam-Webster applies more to a secular perspective for things more than just the Christian faith. I think this is a perfect Christian definition of faith. Mm-hmm. So I love I love how it de- mm-hmm. how it's defined here. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, is what my Bible says, mm-hmm. or the one I'm reading off of. Well, it's in the same way, I guess. It's, well, it's interesting, eh? That how it words it here. It's like I don't know the the assumption is the evidence of things unseen. In the same way that you assume by faith, like anything. It doesn't mean foolish belief, but rather we believe in things we cannot prove because we find enough evidence around us to make a reasonable conclusion. Or we observe in the world what works, and so we can understand its truthfulness, even though we can't prove, or we don't understand everything, and we can't prove everything about it, I guess, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that Like an sense. example, like you could throw an apple up into the air and it will come back down. So you can make a conclusion, even if you didn't understand what gravity was, that if you throw that apple into the air, again, it's going to come back down because you've done it a billion times and you can observe and you're around you that gravity exists, basically. Yeah, like so, you don't understand maybe the science behind why it happens, but you believe it because you've observed it. Right, and so I can mm-hmm. believe... By faith, I mean, that's a really obvious one, that if I throw this apple up in the air, that it's going to fall back down, I'm going to be able to... That, that's going to come back down. And, I mean, it might not. Like, um, it could be what we would call, like... <laughs> it's actually kind of a funny, like, um, analogy, but it's called the turkey fallacy. Hmm. Uh, the assumption that just because something has always happened in a certain way, that it always will happen in that certain way. And it goes something like this. So you have a turkey that uh, is very scientifically minded. And the farmer comes out every day to feed this turkey. And so the turkey just concludes that farmers must just really love turkeys. Because it comes out and it cares for me and it feeds me. And every single day that it comes out, um, his statistical analysis of it gets more and more accurate. That um, he just they much, much really love turkeys. And that tomorrow we're just going to come out and feed me again. Until one day the farmer comes out and kills the turkey and eats it. <laughs> Interesting. And then and realize, or well, it can't realize anything at that point. But the the point is, so we make a so we can make the same like statistical analysis about the sun rising every day, and we can say that well, just because the sun rises every single day, that tomorrow is going to rise again. And we're and the more it happens, the more likely that's to be true, but not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we can throw our phone up in the air and, and make a conclusion that it's going to come back down. And we're really we're believing by faith it's going to come back down because we don't know that at well. Not for sure. And so that's faith. Mm. Or, yeah, that's good. I mean, I mean, it's not as, like, cut. I mean, that's really, like, watered. I mean, another way to say is that we can drive our car to work and assume by faith that we're not going to get to a wreck. We don't think in, like, statistical numbers. We're right. not thinking that there's a so-and-so percent chance that we're going to get yeah. into a wreck today. Or that we have faith that this house that was built was built strong enough to where the ceiling is going to cave in on us. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. it hasn't done it in 15 years, so it's yeah. probably going to not do it. And these are examples that I've heard from Jordan Peterson, actually. Not the turkey one, uh, but, like, the, just, like, the, the car going to work or the house caving in or something. Because he's like, yeah, you have to... Even Jordan Peterson, who isn't a Christian, actually... Even he says that, yeah, you, everyone has faith. You have to have faith. We're hardwired to it. We don't think like, well, there's a so-and-so percent chance we're going to get to a car wreck, and that's a reasonable percent chance that I'm, a risk that I'm willing to take. And we're going to, like, we don't think like that. We're just like, I believe that we're not going to get to a car wreck. That, and we do it without even thinking. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, I'm going to go and get into my car. It's not going to fail. The people around me aren't going to be dumb. I'm not going to have <laughs> enough human error to, to cause an accident. And mm-hmm. we just do it. Yeah. But then I would say to to layer on top of this, the faith that we're about to speak of with these men, it's a different type of faith. Right. Because this is a faith that even though at the time it might seem like the wrong thing to do, they still did it. That's where maybe this this faith type will differ. The faith that we'll see in these characters that are going to be described. Um, even though they were suffering, even though 
uh, doesn't quite make sense, they, they keep strong in this faith of God. So mm-hmm. hmm. can't wait to, to hear more into this. Yeah. Uh, verse 2 says, For by it the men of old gained approval. Mm-hmm. Or should I read 3 as well? I think 2 is fine. For by it the men of old gained approval. Yeah. Um, so this is building up for what is going to be in the chapter, um, basically telling us that what is shown to be true, that history is educational and we learn from it. Mm-hmm. So in looking at the following examples, we're able to understand why they had good report um, from God, like mm-hmm. why they were uh, seen to be great men and women of faith. Exactly. Like the, the, the running theme that you're going to hear in every single one of these stories is that their foundation was always faith in God. That is the one connector that they always have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first example in verse three is, by faith, we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God so that things that are seen were not made out of things which are visible. By faith, we believe that the Lord created the universe out of nothing. Um, and it's hotly debated today uh, what, like, how he did it, but it's still mainstream Christian theology that he did do it. And, um, and that he just spoke things into existence. Yeah, and we believe that essentially by faith. And I'm perfectly comfortable in believing that. I guess the, the thing that I was trying to demonstrate earlier is that we're limited. The problem with like going with what you currently understand is that we're limited to by our own ignorance. So what the turkey fallacy showed is that he was he made the perfectly logical conclusion in that moment, but he's limited by what his behavior should be by his own ignorance. That's the problem with just trusting slowly, solely on your own understanding and logic, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and not trusting in God. Yeah. Yeah. Only knowing what you've seen. <clears throat> yeah, and to add to what you're saying about you know God creating everything from nothing, that may seem like a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, how could how could someone create the entire universe and everything in it and humans and emotions from nothing? Well, there's there's a lot to get into with that, but I mean to me it's it's one of the the biggest reasons I believe why mm-hmm. uh, why my convictions are so strong that God made the universe is that He had to. There there was no way that this was an accident. Uh, the 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 very idea that this world is so perfect and finely tuned for human life uh it would have had to be done by a creator to me it would take way way more faith to believe that that was just from some atoms rubbing together and then a few billion years later we have us uh to me the fact that we can laugh we can cry we can get angry we experience these human emotions and we have love how how can that be something from from nothing, from evolution itself mm-hmm. and nothing else. How can there not be an ultimate reason and meaning in life? I, I can't see how we can derive that from atoms four billion, six billion years ago. Mm-hmm. To me, there have had to have been a creator that created everything. Now, how long ago was it created? Who knows? It's up for debate. But the teleological argument for, for God is one of the strong reasons why I believe in God uh, I mean, there's many, many reasons. It's just one of the reasons. Can you tell me what that argument is? Or at least tell the crowd what the argument is? Sure. Uh, crowd, yes. The crowd. No, the <laughs> So I was looking up a uh, definition for the teleological argument. I either got 10-page essays or atheist websites. So, uh, I mean, I, I got gotquestions.org. That does seem to give a decent definition, but it's quite long. William actually found a, a, a good definition, so we'll give it here. Yeah, and um, it's... <laughs> it's using chat gpt actually because which is pretty awesome if it's you haven't heard basically it, it out. <laughs> just a um a language model or i don't want it's an ai i, I would just say that i don't want to like butcher the definition so you, you ask it questions and it's pretty it basically they feed it copious amounts of data from the internet and then like how it uh you ask it questions and how it puts together the data is really like fluent and efficient basically and so um in seconds it's a lot yeah in seconds it's a lot more than that but anyway you guys can like look it up uh so take it with a take everything it says of a grain of salt it is an ai so but we thought this definition was pretty good because we've heard of it we've heard of the theological argument before or justin has and he said that this one was pretty decent so yeah um 
The teleological argument, also known as the argument from design, is an argument for the existence of God based on the apparent purpose or design in the natural world. The basic idea of the teleological argument is that the complexity, order, and beauty of the natural world, particularly in the realm of biology, suggests the existence of an intelligent designer. The argument goes something like this. The natural world displays a remarkable degree of color complexity and purposeful design. Such color, or sorry, such design could not have arisen by chance, but must be the result of an intelligent designer. Therefore, there must be a God who created the natural world. The theological argument has been used for various philosophers and theologians throughout history, including Plato, Aristotle, Thomas, Aquin, uh, Thomas Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> and William Paley. Paley famously argued that just as a watch requires a watchmaker, the complex complexity and oh, order cool. of the natural world requires a designer. Critics of the theological argument argue that the appearance of design in the natural world can be explained by natural selection and other scientific processes, and that evoking God as an explanation is necessary. Nonetheless, the theological argument re- remains a popular argument for the existence of God amongst many religious believers. Okay, actually, now that it's explained like that, uh, yeah, I have heard many atheists, or I've heard of atheists that have said that that's probably one of the strongest arguments for God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the watchmaker argument, I've heard of that before from mm-hmm. William. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's uh, a kind of an interesting way to to talk about with verse two here, uh, or verse three, that we have faith that God made everything on earth, mm-hmm. and that not only that, but he made us, and that he made us with a purpose, and our purpose is to serve God and to worship him. So that's a uh, interesting, uh, or that's a great definition there. And totally. yeah, I, I agree. I think it's one of the strongest reasons, uh, one of the better reasons that I have to believe in God is just the creation around us itself. And it does take faith, obviously, to believe that God created it. But I think uh, I think I have a, a lot of reason to believe it. All right. Uh, verse four. Yes. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. Hmm. Yeah, so Abel, the first example given of a strong man of faith. Uh, we're listening to a podcast in the car on the way here of Mike Winger. And uh, he mentioned how Abel did sacrifices before it was a thing in like, you know, the laws of Moses and stuff um, and how his sacrifice was more accepted by God, even though he didn't have the clear laws laid out for him. Um, his sacrifices, if you read back in Genesis, were of animals, whereas his brother Cain was the one that only gave offerings of like plants, Fruit. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, so even though he was the first person in the Bible to die, it says in here that we still remember him, right? And that he's still speaking to us. And it reminded me of how like in Genesis, it actually says that like the blood cried out to God. So it's kind of like that's still crying out to us in a way is what, what mm. I interpreted it as is that he's still speaking through um, his sacrifice and how um, his story of faith and obedience is one that we can, like the first one really in the Bible, because, you know, like, um, Adam and Eve were like, <laughs> we're not obeying, we're going to do this. And then Abel was like, from what we saw in the Bible, was like perfect in obeying God. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I want to quickly read a, a summary of that story, uh, just a couple verses. So it came about in the course of time that Cain bought an offering, brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings, the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Yeah, so as we can see from that verse, like Abel gave his best. The reason why Abel, uh, Cain's sacrifice wasn't as accepted was because it probably wasn't done with like it probably wasn't really that big of a sacrifice. My guess would be, hmm. right? Abel probably offered his best, and Cain's heart probably wasn't in the right place. Because, I mean, I think I can make that assertion very confidently because our God is the same God that's always been, right? And He's, if He actually really sacrificed a lot to please Him, 
then um, to get his blessing and his heart was in the right place and and he was trying to be a good, I guess, Christian before, you know, Christianity mm-hmm. was a thing. Um, then I, I think he would have accepted his sacrifice. So, yeah. and I think that's proof, like his heart not being in the right place is kind of proven too. Like when God rejected his sacrifice, he threw a tantrum. So mm-hmm. like, it's clear like he wasn't, a, a, he wasn't in the right place <laughs> yeah. or like, he wasn't, his walk of God probably wasn't that good mm-hmm. if he was, you know, resorted to murder right away. So, definitely. Um, but I mean, that's only my thoughts on it. Like it does say, and it does say, even though he's dead, yet speaketh. And uh, speaketh, I, King James. Yeah, King James. <laughs> I switched my Bible translations translations a lot. Okay. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't know really what it means by that, other than perhaps like it's just that his lesson, the lessons that were taught in that story, are still being taught today. Hmm. So, hmm. yeah. Verse five. Are you going to read it? Why did you say verse five like that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> verse five. Verse five. Back. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I will say before I read verse five that the King James Version translation of verse five is a little bit weird, um, <laughs> but I, I'll read it. And I mean, it's old English. It's a word to word translation with really old English, right? If you want a more modern version of a word to word translation, by the NESB is probably like the way to go. But <laughs> anyway. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death. Yeah, that's what it says. And was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Okay, so what every other translation says was that he walked with God and then God took him. (laughs) Pretty much that's what happened. Which is what happened, yeah. Taking him up. Yeah, so... uh, (laughs) God, but yeah, he just, uh, he he never died. And he was like, the, what, the seventh generation mm-hmm. after Adam or something? And uh, that was Cain's son. Okay, I mean, so we don't have a ton uh, in the Bible about Enoch. We don't know much about him. Um, William mentioned some of it. Uh, what we do have in the Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 to 24, Enoch lived 65 years and became their father of, became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Yeah. Can you imagine just being taken by God, not even dying, but just being taken to heaven? Sounds good to me. Yeah. No heart attacks, no whatever. It's just, okay, I'm in heaven now. So it's such an interesting story about Enoch. Like it's 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 quite short, but I wonder what made that so significant that mm-hmm. they would include it here in Hebrews eleven. Um, but I mean, clearly, it's it's focused on his faith, on Enoch's faith that he had with God. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't even have to see death. Mm-hmm. And he's the only person other than Jesus who was just you know. And he's just just taken to God's presence. Oh, the reason why the King James Version says translated is because it's rooted in this Greek word. That means transfer. So he was transferred. Like, that's it comes from the word transfer. I see. I know. E transferred. Yeah, you got got E transferred away. (laughs) And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much a sum of what we were about in last chapter about the rewards that you get um, if you stay confident in your faith and don't fall away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I find it interesting how it just says it is impossible to please God without faith. You mm. need it. Yeah. It's like Galatians it's chapter, Yeah. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 says... Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, it, well, it is impossible. Like it's, it is a requ- you can't be a Christian and follow God without faith. It's impossible. Because without right. faith, you wouldn't even know who God is, in a way, in the sense of actually knowing him. You wouldn't be able to follow him mm-hmm. or believe that he exists, I don't think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, without faith in him, you might, but the thing is, then like, uh, 
and some Christians today, and even I in the past, have tried to make it all Christianity all about being a scientific like decision that factually logical decision. Like there really isn't much faith because people dance around that word. Like it means like, it's it's stupid. People act like it's stupid to believe in something. Uh, that that faith is stupid, I guess. And I danced around the word in the past, but in reality, human beings, like I mentioned earlier, are kind of hardwired to have faith. And if they don't put faith in God, they're putting in something else. Mm -hmm. And uh, whether it's the government, their family, some other ideology, their wealth themselves, or their identity or something like that, they have, we put faith in in many different things. And uh, and if our ultimate faith isn't in the Lord, it's in something else. And so people say that having faith in him is foolish or silly or dumb or something like that. And it's like, well, what are you putting your faith in? How do you think we came around? So you think it's evolution? Oh, you think that it's been the scientific, because the scientific modern community says that it was formed in this way in this um, many billions of years and, and, and stuff like that, and it couldn't have possibly been a god that, the tech, because today's that that's the view, even though it wasn't before and it won't be tomorrow, but that's the right answer. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you're putting your faith in something. Maybe it is science <laughs> that you're putting your faith in. Um, but I like that's what you say it is, even though that's not really what I, I don't think that if you say that I believe in science and then, um, anyway, I'm not going down that road actually. <clears throat> Having faith in science. Well, if you say that I believe in science and therefore because I believe in science, then, um, I believe this, 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 I don't believe in God. I, you know, whatever it is that I guess, um, the latest science YouTube video tells you or, or whatever. But does science even take faith? It what? does, I think. Because I, aren't you just proving science things? Science isn't concrete. There's, it's, it's, it's always an estimated changing. guess. Yeah, well, science is, I think even the definition of science is just like trying to understand the world around you. Hmm. Yeah. And so to say that I believe in science, therefore I believe this for sure doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's not what science, science is. Science is always changing. Hmm. Yeah. and It's always progressing. And to uh, do science, I guess, is to question the science. And when people say, don't question the science, it's like, well, that's how you do science. You question yeah. it. You have to question <laughs> you, it. You, you have to be skeptical. Yeah, you have you to try have to disprove things. And, and nothing that. annoys me more than to hear people say, I don't believe in God, I believe in science. <laughs> yeah. Like those two things are mutually exclusive. Do like they God science, science can't prove yeah. God or that God invented science to help prove his his beauty and his his intelligent design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find it absurd. But uh, to get back to the faith thing, um, I like how it ends. It it says, uh, "And believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him." How do you get the reward by having faith? Mm-hmm. Matthew seventeen verse twenty says, "He replied, this is Jesus speaking, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you." If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Now, I think that is a verse that is that is unfortunately taken out of context often. What I think this is saying is if we have faith in God, we don't have to worry about tomorrow. God, if we put him as our focus and we put our faith and trust in him, there is no obstacle that God can't overcome for us. It's not saying, as some people try to say, say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. That everything that you believe now, if you have faith in it, it will happen. That's not what it's saying. Nothing is impossible for God, well, because God is omniscient and omnipotent, omnipresent. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and is around all time. So if God has that kind of power... If God can make the mountains itself, do you not believe that God could also move them? So if we have faith in Christ, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear because Christ, having faith in him, really can make nothing impossible in in the sense that if it is within God's will, you don't have to be frightened that God won't allow you to overcome it if that's what he wants. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So I'll flip to Genesis chapter 9, uh, verse 8 to 15, just to give a quick summary. 
of what it is that it's speaking of here. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, and all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is a sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. That's the rainbow. It shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow will be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. Hmm. So... This is an interesting one because when I read this, I was trying to think about exactly how this story could tie into the faith thing. I'm like, well, I guess, you know, Noah obviously had faith that God was going to carry his family through the ark and that that was going to, that he was going to save them and that God's promise through the rainbow, he wouldn't do it again. Mm -hmm. But I was kind of getting confused as to exactly who, where that connection was until I listened to the same uh, sermon you guys did by Mm -hmm. Mike Winger. And then it, it kind of he helped me make the connection that the ark is the one who saved them. The ark saved them from the judgment, just like how Christ saves us from judgment. Noah's faith in God and his plan saved him and his family, and two of every kind of animal from the great flood. Because of this, God gave every living thing to Noah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Noah had faith that God was being legit in what he was saying because Noah actually built that boat when there was no sign of a flood happening yet. Like, think about how long it took him to build that big ark. Like, how much faith he would have had to actually keep on making it and get to that point. Yeah, you don't... Yeah, exactly. You don't spend that much energy. You don't invest that much of your life into building a giant boat (laughs) on dry land unless you actually believe a flood's coming. Mm -hmm. And the question is, would we have that kind of faith? Think about the amount of time that it took to build that ark. I often wonder if you actually heard the audible voice of God or if he just... You know, in the same way that God talks to us, mm-hmm. just like, oh, okay, hey guys, I think I'm supposed to build an ark, and then just everyone's like, what? <laughs> and yeah. that he he obeyed God too, right? He followed through with it, and I mean, many people get intimidated by the story of Noah because they think, oh, God wiped every single human being and animal off the face of the earth, and we talked about this last podcast, you know, like what what kind of God would do such such a thing as that? I mean, that's a story for another day about um, the evil that was on the earth at the time mm. and why God's judgment at the time was necessary. Right. But the faith that Noah had to trust in God despite circumstances that he was in, despite everyone around him who's probably like, uh, is, I don't want to tie it to this movie, Evan Almighty. It's it's kind of a butchery of the story. But the one thing I caught from that, which which made me think, oh, I wonder if Noah actually went through that was it showed a lot of people ridiculing mm-hmm. him in that. And I was like, oh, I want, Noah probably got that, eh? Like he was building this ark and then a bunch of people were like, what do you think you're doing? God flooding the entire earth? Yeah, right. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, don't reference that movie, by the way, but it just made me think of that. <laughs> uh, just that, yeah, you know what? He stayed strong in that faith and he knew that if he put his faith in God, nothing was impossible, like we read in mm-hmm. verse six. Definitely. And that God could save him and his family. Okay, now on to the story of Abraham and Sarah. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed. By going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, a dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. And so, uh, this is a reference. One second. For he, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And so this is a reference to Genesis twelve one to four. And so I think it's interesting when he talks about like for he who was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. 
Well, I think it's because he knew that this home that he has on Earth was not going to be his permanent resting place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He knew that there was a greater city one day, which is actually uh, referenced in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. Ooh, Revelation. Yep. So in 21, 2 to 5, it says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and Mm. God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. And where is that found? That's Revelation chapter 21, verse 2 to 5. So good. Um, It's it's amazing. It's actually part of one of my favorite songs, Alpha and Omega, by Gaither Vocal Band. Mine references Revelation um, 21, verse 14. Oh, mine wasn't a reference. I just found this verse. What is the reference that you have, William, from Revelation? Uh, And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Uh, let's go back here. That's a bit out of context. Well, no, because it the shows New Jerusalem. I just typed in verses about the new city, about you know. Oh the, wait, the here's, heaven. here's more but about the what new you Jerusalem. were saying. Well, about the um, the stones being because like that shows how all this led up to that. Yeah, but yeah. He, hang on. There's more about the New Jerusalem though. And he carried me away into, in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of the heaven from God. Having the glory of God, her brilliance was like very costly stone, as a stone crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. And there were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And on the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the names of the twelve, were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Mm. Okay, there's a lot more here about the New Jerusalem. But anyway. Yeah, so I'm, I'm assuming that's basically what it's speaking of, of Abraham thinking of that place that he would he would be one day. Because mm-hmm. um, if we think about that story of Abraham, not only did he do what God told him to, or not only did he hear what God told him. Wow, that's English today. Not only did he hear what God told him, but he listened to him. Mm-hmm. He obeyed God and he left everything behind in pursuit of God's plan. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely say that not everyone would do that. Definitely. It would be hard for me if God said, oh, by the way, Justin, I know you've been living Winnipeg your whole life, uh, but move to Tanzania, uh, leave everything behind, your family, your friends, all your belongings, and just follow me. I would hope that I would do that. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I would, but I can't act like that wouldn't be hard. Yeah. But Abraham did that. He left everything behind because of his strong faith in God. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's by faith that we do do such things. It's by faith that missionaries fly into really dangerous situations, leaving behind their comfortable lives and risk death uh, to serve God. And you you can only have faith. And like, so, I mean, people look at that and they say, well, how foolish is that? I don't know. Like the world says we are foolish for such faith. Why devote our lives to doing good in the world when we could be serving ourselves like gas? Yeah, mm-hmm. And why invest so much into this why give 10% of everything we make in tithing and perhaps more mm-hmm. um, everyone I know that's not a Christian thinks that's insane right. that huh. I talk to and all I can say is if I they think it's I, blind faith well when I die there's no reason I mean yeah we we, we I don't know I, I mean obviously I, I do it because I have faith that the things that I believe are good and right and true and I think that in order to get to that place, you have to, there's only one way, and that's through God. And when I die, if I find out that my faith is wrong, then I'm okay with that. Mm Because what happens? What's the consequence? I live my entire life in service of the greatest possible good. Yeah. And I serve others, and I do a lot of good in the world, and I give to the needy, and I help out in my community. Like, why is that such a bad thing? It's like, why wouldn't you want to be a Christian, even if you thought there was a possibility that God didn't exist? I don't get it. <laughs> what, what's the what's the what's the possible downside to that? A lot of my friends that I've talked to are okay. Well, I should say the few friends that I've talked to about tithing, um, maybe four or five that aren't Christian. They think that 
it's um they were like really shocked about it i guess like the ones that didn't know about the 10 percent, the ones that did think it's silly like that it's foolish to give that money away and it's just a cash grab like they just have very negative out views of of tithing and giving that and much why it's done and why it's done, and even just giving as much as we do to charity, like they, I don't know anyone that isn't a Christian that does that, unless they're like you know uh, philanthropist, like unless they have lots and yeah. lots of wealth. Yeah. Um, but people that are middle income or even like us starting out, that give a lot of our income, and when I say a lot, I mean like ten percent or more, uh, to to tithing and charity and stuff like that is, uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't do it at our age. We're you know just starting out like that. That doesn't seem to be that seems to be a Christian thing or a Judaic thing. Or something like that. Virtually all of charities I've noticed are Christian, are Christian backed in some way, or mm-hmm. uh, Christian Judaic. Uh, Majority are, yeah. Yeah, I, there's a few out there, like maybe what twenty percent that aren't. World Wildlife Fund. <laughs> yeah, the eighty percent of the big ones. Red Cross. Yeah, are all like uh, right, some yeah. kind of, and there's a reason for that, right? It's in our theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, and a lot of like social like service things started in Christianity too. So you can see how more charitable jobs and organizations are from Christian roots even. Even charitable towards people like uh, like uh, women pre- pregnancy crisis centers mm-hmm. and um, adoption clinics. A yeah. lot of those are Christian based mm-hmm. because they see a need and God taught to love these people. So homeless centers too, tons of those are Christian based. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. And well, I can tell you what the popular... downside is. Actually, the downside is that you're no longer in service to yourself. Mm. You're. But that still doesn't even sound like a downside. Because no, like serving yourself is so like pointless. It's pointless, and it leads to a life of honestly like depression. Mm-hmm. People that think that that'll that'll help them make it. The people that are in the highest income brackets are some of the highest suicide rated people, mm-hmm. uh, because they they believe that once they quote unquote make it that they'll be happy but mm-hmm. it's not what brings you purpose or meaning yeah definitely yeah and it's uh god demands that you serve him at the sacrifice of yourself and so i th- i would guess that i mean i know what you say it doesn't sound like a downside but to many people it probably is mm-hmm. it's like they i guess when they're looking for happiness they, they think serving themselves is the way to do it and what we're doing is insane because how could living for something else from some higher good and at the expense of ourselves and giving away a portion of our income where we could be, you know, living say 10, 15% more comfortably if we didn't, or be reaching our goals faster or whatever, if we didn't, or maybe we could use that money to go on vacation or whatever that, you know, but that's not going to bring us happiness. That, that that's how could that make us happy? How could that make us fulfilled? They just don't understand. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, even to that point, like a, a common saying that I, I like I like to follow is, you know, if if I'm wrong about God, I wasted my life. If you're wrong about God, you waste your life and your eternity. And now as a Christian, we we should look back at our life and and hopefully see a life of humility and of mercy and of kindness and gentleness towards others and hopefully showing uh, Christ's love to everybody. Um, so I, I don't see a possible downside to that where, uh, someone who doesn't live a life of Christ is signing their own letter to, uh, eternal damnation, which is yeah. sad and maybe sounds blunt, but to me, I don't, I, I see a life of Christ and serving him as something. Yeah, it takes, it takes faith for sure. It definitely does. But like William said earlier today, everything takes faith. In life, we put faith in things all all the time. Yeah, and what people really mean, or not that they really mean, because I don't think they have the capacity. Uh, they don't. Um, they don't. I don't think they realize they put faith in everything. So what people are saying is when they when they say that you know having faith is in God is ridiculous or silly. What they're really meaning is that you should you. They don't want you. To, they think you shouldn't be putting. They think it's foolish that you're putting faith in God when you should be putting faith in this something else. They'd rather mm-hmm. you, they think it's more logical to put faith in something yeah. else. Basically, is what they're saying. Well, not that faith itself is silly because you have to have faith. Um, 
to operate on your day-to-day basis. They just don't think you should be having faith in God mm-hmm. specifically. And unfortunately, the, the way that a lot of people think is that they think the definition of faith means lack of evidence. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing that they think. Oh, if you have yeah. faith, that means you, you're believing this because you, you got nothing to think. Well, you got nothing to explain yourself. That's the way that modern mm. culture has basically made it out to be. Yeah. And so, I, I also do believe it is the fault of some Christians. Painted. Yeah. It mm-hmm. is the fault of some Christians where I do know where in my own life I have gone to certain individuals and asked for, for I had a pretty strong question about something and I was told, oh, just believe, just have faith. And to me, that's not a sufficient answer for a lot of questions. Actually, yeah. I don't think it's a great answer at all. And maybe they're at a place in their life where um, where they are content with not knowing a certain question. But when you're when you're growing up and you're developing and um, you, you're a, a deep thinker and you have hard questions about Christianity, and I can easily see like how asking someone, I mean, I was... I felt the same way. You ask someone a question about that. It's really important that you understand the answer, and then they just say, "Well, just believe. I don't. Eh, don't worry about it." Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I, I can. I get that. And I understand why, for some people that I know, mm-hmm. faith is all they need. Yeah. There are people that I know that these questions don't hinder their mind, and they just think, you know what? I have faith in Christ that everything will work out for His good, and that. I know that Jesus is on the throne and I'm I'm happy with the fact that I don't know all the answers, but I know that I have my faith in God. And that's good enough for some and, and that I think is perfectly fine. Yeah, and I think uh well even now like where I am, I there's questions that I have that I don't it doesn't really bother me to have like I it doesn't really bother me to have those questions. It doesn't really bother me to not know those questions anymore because where I am now and my faith is much more comfortable than our than where I was. So I, I get that place where people, that place that people can go where they just uh perfectly comfortable not knowing. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was a born even of one man, and him as good as dead, at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as a sand which is by the seashore. Wow. So all the descendants of Abraham, he could not have seen that, right? Because you die before you see all your descendants. But even though he lived his life and went up to heaven and all that, the promises of God still happened after he died because God promised your generations are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And we are a part of that legacy as Christians. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, the way that Sarah was able to um, have Isaac was incredible because it's something that you would see as impossible because of her age and all of that. But again, God made the impossible a possible thing because anything can happen when God is at work and God is um, orchestrating those things in someone's life. Yeah, like just think about that, the, the faith that Sarah had. When, when the angel had said that she was going to bear a child, she actually laughed. She laughed at the ability of her having a child at her age. And Isaac means laughter. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's like, are you, she's really thinking at her age, are you Are you serious? I've been trying for so long. I've, I'm not going to have a child at, at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the angels promised that she would bear a child. And she still had faith, even though she thought of that idea and probably thought, really, God, me? You're still choosing me to have a kid? And she kept faith in God, just like every other person we've talked about so far. And God followed through with that promise and allowed her to have a child. Mm-hmm. And with Abraham, right? He was 100 at the time. And yet God said that he was going to have as many descendants as the stars in the heavens, which we can't even count the number, or as many as sand that's on the seashore. Once again, an innumerable amount. We can't count how many that there is. That's how many descendants God said he would have. Mm-hmm. Once again, probably an impossible thought for them at the time. But because of their faith, because of their strong trust in God, it is something that God followed through, and now we're all descendants of Abraham. Mm-hmm. I do like how it just says he was as good as dead. <laughs> Talking about it, yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine referring to someone like that who's old? It's like you're a hundred years old. You're, you're as good, good as, as dead. dead. <laughs> I'll make sure I'll tell like satire. I mean, that sounds like satire, and it's pretty funny. But um, in all seriousness, yeah, like. It's a testimony it's just, you know, the amazing things that God can do in your life. You just have faith in him and you follow him and you choose to trust him. 
Mm-hmm. This actually remind it actually reminds me like reading through this passage. What I was reminded of was this time that I was with uh, Justin and another friend of his and a pastor, and we're all sitting at Tim Hortons. Of course we were. <laughs> we're in Jeez. Canada. Like, what do you expect? Uh, and we were talking. We were there because Justin's friend had some questions about Christianity, and I did too, but I just mostly listened. And it was basically just about faith, faith in God. Hmm. And afterwards, we were talking in the parking lot. And what Justin's friend was trying to explain to me was actually kind of the same concept, is that the problem is of following just logic is that, and he didn't say it in these words, but he was just, he was trying to word it correctly, was that like... um. It's limited to you by your own ignorance. So an example of that would be if you had no information, you could, about, you know, the the curvature of the earth, you could, you know, stand there, look around you, and believe that the earth is flat because it looks pretty flat. It's a perfectly logical conclusion to make. Mm -hmm. You have no information. doesn't make it true. Or like, you know, the turkey fallacy that I talked about earlier believing that farmers just really love turkeys and because they always came to you day before, they're going to come there tomorrow to feed you. You're limited you no by harm. What, what capacity you can understand of the world. <laughs> right, and the thing that makes, I think, Christianity, the reason why I choose to put my faith in God is because, like, well, for one, like, you can observe what works and what doesn't, right? And Christianity clearly works. It's certainly clearly, like, to me, the Bible seems to be a pretty good roadmap of how the universe functions in a way to like do the most amount of good. And if it seems to be pointing at like the highest amount of good, then it makes sense to follow it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, if that's not truth, then what is? And also it's survivability is a pretty good testimony to its validity, I guess, mm-hmm. because like it's it survived this long on many different people writing about the same God. And, to me, that's like pretty good evidence, I guess, that it's it's on the right track. And, and it, that's not the only evidence, but it's part of it. It didn't survive this long out of fear and out of force like mm-hmm. other religions have that I won't right. mention. Mm-hmm. Um, it survived because of grace, because of people share, just sharing Christ and sharing the love of God and people looking at that, like you said a couple weeks ago, and just said, I want that. What you have, I want that, like the lady was telling you in the story. So... We can have faith in that, one, because we can, like William was saying, we can look at the, the stories told throughout the Bible and say, that seems to be a pretty good reflection of reality. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I want to strive towards. Yeah, maybe it's a goal that is almost unreachable, mm-hmm. but it's a standard that I want to have. Yeah. And the ever the ever showing of mercy and of and of love and of... All, all, all these different lessons we can have. Just, I, I don't see anything else like it. Mm-hmm. And one, sorry, one other point to Sarah that I made a note of. I didn't share at the time. My bad. Go ahead. Uh, there's a song I know, uh, and it talks about the story, and it talks about Sarah giving birth to the child, and Abraham with his questions. Uh, it's a song called "Begins." by a group called the Acapella Company. Um, This is the words that it says. Soon his wife would bear a child, a saying hard to reconcile. So he asked, can this thing be? Can a nation spring from me? With a body grown so old, in a world, in a word, this man was told that your life begins with God, your love. Mm -hmm. So with examples that we've read today, with Sarah, with Abraham, with Noah, with Enoch, with Cain and Abel. The running theme through all these is didn't make sense at the time to do what they did. For for Cain or for Abel, for Abraham, for Noah, to keep having faith in Christ. Because logically speaking, if they just followed that, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have made it wouldn't have made sense yeah. to follow it. Yet for some reason their hearts longed for what God had in store for them. So they kept faith in, in God. And what it did in the end, even though we we read that their actual they didn't get to see the riches and glory, but one day they would. That was enough for them to have faith in God. So I think that's pretty powerful stuff. 
And I can't wait to continue the rest of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to sure. wrap up here because uh, we're out of time. We did not get quite as far as we thought, but this means we're probably going to make this into maybe a three-parter um, for Chapter 11, but it's really good stuff. So hope you stay on board with us for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, thank you that we have the Bible and that there are so many wonderful examples in here from history and days gone by of those who have lived in faith, all the way from Cain um, to Abraham and beyond that, God. Thank you that we have this legacy of faith that's been built up on your founding principles and your um, the way that you created the world, God, from just speaking. It's amazing. Everything that's in the Bible is true, and we know and we love you, God. Thank you that you are in our lives and that you're leading us and continuing to transform us as we walk in faith. Um, and thank you that we are able to walk together in this faith journey Uh, Bless all those who are listening today, God, and um, help them to continue to walk in their faith. Amen. 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 That's all we have time for today, guys. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We have a website, DisciplesQuest.net, where you can find all our DisciplesQuest activity aggregated. It's also where Emily releases her blog every second Wednesday, so be sure to check that out. We also have the contact form there as well, where you can use to reach out to us on. And you can also reach out to us on in the following forms of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. And please send us your questions, criticisms, stories, or requests. If you would like to support this podcast, then prayer is always a good option, and we certainly can't get enough of that. But Patreon is the best financial option for support. Speaking of which, shout out to our Patreon subscribers, Brandon, Darling, and Philip. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and may God guide you on your quest to becoming better disciples. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.